We now return to Beyond Synth. And welcome to episode nine of Beyond Synth. I'm Andy Last. That's right. I've made nine of these things. It's really exciting stuff. The most I ever made in a series of anything was a web series I made called Alien Crisis, and it had eight chapters, which means this is now the most of any series of things I've ever made, and it's very exciting for me. It's also not a very big number, so I don't know how proud I really should be. Today on the show is Dana Jean Phoenix, uh, whose voice you may recognize. Uh, she's supplied her vocals to many artists and producers in the scene, including uh, Betamax, Sunglasses Kids, Stellar Dreams, Perturbator, Ghost. What else? There's more. There's a big list. And on top of that, she does her own solo material, and she performs live with a band and uh, a bunch of other stuff. So uh, let's go to my conversation with Dana Jean Phoenix. sure it's all right yeah i do have a page here but i don't know like if you heard the other ones but i, I try and keep them kind of conversational you yeah know i mean absolutely. i know this is weird because i'm sitting across the table well, i can always come but beside you well i can i can switch here oh, okay. uh, i'll sit here if, that, right. if that makes it sure yeah less weird <laughs> there we go all right Try better perfect yeah so I, i'm sitting here in my actual living room with dana jean phoenix which is probably the first and only time I'm ever going to be able to do a sit down so this is a rare occasion. This is a special edition. This is, yeah, this is, this is a special edition. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto is going on in the background, although we can't hear it. Yeah, it's absolutely. All, it's Got all uh, Fat Al here, one of my bandmates with me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he actually, for those uh, who are familiar with uh, what I do, he helps me record the music. And uh, also when we're shooting videos, he's a big part in helping me direct the vi videos and shooting and putting them all together. Right. So. I was, yeah, I was going to ask about that. Actually, there was a thing later on, but yeah. it's a lot easier now if I say, who's Fat Al? Be like, well, he's sitting on my couch playing, playing Grand, Grand Theft, Theft Auto. Auto. Which uh, you said the premiere was two days ago? Yes. Wow. And I haven't had much of a chance to look how awesome this is. <laughs> you can just see anyway. <laughs> so now Dana Jean Phoenix, what part about that is real? In terms of the name? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Dana Jean Phoenix, actually, Phoenix is my mother's maiden name. Okay. Um, and uh, I use it uh, actually to kind of pay tribute to my Nana as well. Her name was Jean Phoenix, and she was uh, very heavy into music. She was a singer as well. So, and probably one of my biggest heroes in life because um, she actually recently passed, passed away, but into her, you know, like early 90s, she was the busiest woman in the world. Mm. And uh, I'm very busy as well. I love moving from place to place. So, Phoenix is an actual real last name. It is, yeah. It's actually <laughs> Irish. The roots are Irish. Well, that's cool, then. Yeah. It's, it's like a superhero name. Uh, yeah, I kind of. A lot of people, yeah, Jean Grey, I think, uh, turns into the Phoenix. Yeah. So I like to think <laughs> of myself as the, the superhero of music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, so your voice is on several sort of producers' songs or tracks from like Stellar Dreams and Sunglasses Kid and right. Perturbator or Perturbator. I'm going to talk to him and figure out how he says it. <laughs> Betamax and Ghost and a bunch of others. So how did you first get involved with the scene? Yeah, uh, I think my first collaboration was with Betamax. Uh, actually, no, uh, Robots with Ray Guns was my first collab. Okay. And then uh, Betamax uh, was my second. And, you know, from there, I've been really lucky. It's just been really great to collaborate with all these all these producers, Sunglasses Kid, Ghost, uh, aka Hands Down, uh, Tommy, uh, Highway Superstar, I mean, the list goes on. The thing I really love about it is, as a vocalist, I'm always looking for ways to kind of challenge myself in terms of my vocal ability, flexibility, and also writing as well. Mm-hmm. It's easy as a singer and as a producer as well to kind of get stuck into your thing that you do uh, which is great to have kind of an identity like that but I'm also you know really interested in expanding you know what I can do vocally in writing so for me it's so amazing that I get to make music with these people who are halfway around the world. Were you the one who reached out at first? Yeah. Actually, I started going on SoundCloud and, and saying, you know, I, I, I love, I have such a huge affinities for 80s music because I grew up on it. I started reaching out to people that I really admired. And then from there, it's sort of been a, a, a crazy whirlwind of people contacting me and vice versa. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. The collaborations that you've done with mm-hmm. all this sort of scene, there is very, like, it's very retro and synth stuff. Your own personal stuff, mm-hmm. like the Learning to Fight and the Phoenix Rising stuff is a very, like, right. it's, it's very, like, R&B kind of party sort of music. Pop- like. Yeah. It's very contemporary sounding. Right. So what is it about then the sound of these other producers that attracts you? I'm always trying to evolve as a singer, like I said, just kind of expand my my kind of vocal capabilities. Just sort of the evolution of Dana Jean Phoenix, what does that mean? And I really uh, have sort of um, adapted to this retro-electro cabaret sort of identity. You know, electro and cabaret in terms of, I'm also a musical theater singer as well. Um, and actually yesterday it just got announced, uh, Mervish, the 50, for the 50th anniversary, I'll be performing in December at the Panasonic Theater. For those okay. who don't know, Mervish is like the Broadway of Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm very active in the theater scene. I'm auditioning all the time. Um, and and also I'm a lead singer of God Made Me Funky as well, which is kind of a funk rock uh, uh, hip hop kind of band. And so uh, with God Made Me Funky, that's where I kind of started to rap and adding that to kind of my vocal toolkit. Mm-hmm. And it's going back to how can I push creatively? How can I evolve? I heard in one of your songs, I think it's called My Way, mm-hmm. you said the F word. I did, yes. You know, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, as a woman, it's very empowering to be a woman in this scene mm. and to speak your mind. That song was about me, kind of, uh, my struggle to be a woman in the industry that owns her own material, writes her own material, produces her own material, puts it out and is able to say what she wants. It doesn't have a label or people above her saying, you have to say this. Yeah, you definitely heard the F word in there. But actually, it's funny because we (laughs) I play the Beaches Jazz Festival a lot in Toronto Mm -hmm. and a lot of families come out, a lot of kids. Did we change it to funk? Yeah. And yeah, (laughs) when we perform it live, obviously, we have to kind of take out the swear words. But also in selling the records live, Mm -hmm. it's sort of like, oh, we want kids to be able to listen to this and and party and have a good time, too. So Mm -hmm. putting an explicit advisory sticker on your CD, I'm kind of thinking, oh, maybe that's not, you know, the best way to go, Mm -hmm. especially when you see all these kids dancing to your music. And I think that's one of the greatest things in the world, because kids don't they never lie. 
if your stuff is good, kids will dance to it. If they don't like it, they'll cross their arms and they'll sit and they'll pout. They don't want to dance. (laughs) Did you record a clean version then? Yes, actually I did. Yeah, for purposes of radio, college radio, CBC Radio, uh, CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Company here (laughs) in Toronto. Because there's several people who who do sort of have their supplying their vocals for the scene. And and I, I said I found that yours had the most sort of retro quality to it. Cool, thank you. And it works really well with that sort of 80s pop sound kind of stuff. Yeah. Now I'm just wondering, is that just your voice or is that something that you actually try to do when you do sing on these tracks? It's absolutely my voice, but it's also me understanding the genre and the style and trying to get a certain mood and atmosphere across um, and paying tribute to a lot of, you know, my favorite female vocalists from that time, like Cyndi Lauper, Madonna, Mm. Pat Benatar. It's definitely kind of a tribute to them as well. I have a a cheesy interview question. Yeah, go for it. Dana Jean Phoenix, when did you start singing? Uh, You know, I started singing pretty much as soon as I could talk. Mm. And a lot of what I did around the house actually was imitating voices. I would love to imitate different singers because I was always sort of shy about singing in front of my family and mocking people and impersonating people was kind of my way of doing it without being too embarrassed Mm. by it and then sort of as I got older I thought okay I'm imitating these people that much you know and I'm doing it well so that must mean that I can actually sing as well Mm. yeah and it wasn't until I was about probably 16 17 or 18 that I started feeling really comfortable with singing in public and started you know playing with different bands and really was comfortable in my own skin as a singer I never really sang when I was a kid. I have this weird, silly memory of, remember when Weird Al came out with that song, Fat? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I did <laughs> I did this dance. I don't know why I did this for my family. This is not something I ever did. But then one day, <laughs> just when that stupid video came out, and then I did this thing where I, like, lip synced to Fat, but then I, like, yeah. stuffed my shirt or whatever, so that I would... So you were like Weird, weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, but then video. it ended with me taking the stuff out of the shirt. Now that I think about it, like the video didn't end that way, did it? He doesn't pop or anything. Well, you were he? putting your spin on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I'm trying to think about that video. I haven't seen it in years. His videos are pretty brilliant. He really did a great job of kind of recreating the original, yeah. which would be, of course, Michael Jackson's bad. When I was 15 or 16, I entered a youth talent search mm. competition. And uh, that was a song that I performed, Michael Jackson's Bad. And I was moonwalking across the stage and singing and (laughs) and wearing like the leather pants and jacket with all the buckles and studs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, funny story. I think I placed second in that competition. Last year, I sang the national anthem at the Rogers Center, which was formerly the Sky Dome Mm -hmm. in downtown Toronto. How do you get hooked? Like, how does that work? A guy by the name of Michael Rubinoff, who is a producer as well, he's the head of um, a music theater program uh, called Sheridan College. He had the hookup and he called me up and said, would you like to sing the national anthem, both the American and the Canadian? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah. Yeah. That was pretty surreal, really surreal experience. And yeah, I, I love it. What are the TIMAs? Oh, that is the Toronto Independent Music Awards. And that was something I was nominated for a few years back uh, mm. for my very first debut album, Learning to Fight. Mm. I was uh, nominated in the category of Best Urban Release. So how did these people go about finding it? Like, were you well, getting so- getting your stuff out there? Or do they look for it? Like, how does it work? Well, you submit. You submit your stuff. Okay, but, okay. Yeah, I think what's really important in terms of um, them kind of paying <clears throat> attention, because there's a lot of people who submit to the TIMAs. Mm. And I think having... Having a, a live presence in the city is a really big component of, of right. that. I do perform live a lot with my band and have done like tours uh, in southern Ontario and stuff like that. And I've actually been really lucky too with God Made Me Funky. We've toured Canada twice and mm. into the States actually once. So I have been able to tour Canada a couple of times and wow, Canada is such an amazing country to mm. travel. It's probably one of my favorite things to do is tour and sing. I'm going to keep bringing back Sunglasses Kid because we talked a lot about collaborations. Mm-hmm. So he came up with his new EP and, you know, they're all basically like collaboration tracks with different different artists. Yeah. And he said uh, that he liked the idea of giving the artist the music and then having it be more of a collaboration where the vocalist comes up with the melody and the lyrics. 
Yeah. He likened it to if you tell them what to sing and tell them how to sing, that they're using them more like a session musician than actually a true sort a of true collaboration. collaboration. Right. So have all of your collaborations been like that? Yeah, actually. And I love working with Sunglasses Kid. I think he is absolutely brilliant. The stuff that he comes up with, it's so melodic. It's so beautiful. It's so lush, um, so layered and complex. And yet... It's so easy to write to because you can always find a really strong melody. We just recently collaborated on a track called You're Not Alone. And when he sent me the song, he said, you know, I'm kind of thinking of, of this kind of idea of alienation for the song. And I said, okay, so I listened to it. And um, this idea of, you know, something that's very topical right now, the alienation of people and this law, unfair law, like in Russia, for athletes. Mm -hmm. That's something I really care about and it kind of developed into this LGTB kind of anthem. Mm -hmm. And when we were doing the video for it, Fat Al, who helped me with the video, directed the video, we just found a bunch of clips of pro athletes who are out of the closet. You know, I'm all for those athletes, not, be, not being afraid to be who they are. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think it's really unfair to impose a law that infringes on anyone's rights because in the end, it really ultimately infringes on it deteriorates everybody's rights. So with all of the the collaborations that you've done then, mm -hmm. do you take like a note from the producer who says, hey, this is the kind of the gist of the song? Or do they ever just say, here it is, just yeah. do it? It's different every time. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just, hey, here's here's a beat, here's a song, here's a, you know, do what you feel. And other times they say I have a kind of an idea for it. Or sometimes they'll already have maybe a few lyrics, lyrical ideas written and we'll kind of massage it and, mm -hmm. and that. So I, I love that it's different every time because it really keeps me on my toes. And again, it just allows me as a writer to just explore and try new things. <laughs> Speaking of God Made Me Funky, then, what is that? God Made Me Funky. They are uh, the new funk outfit from Toronto, Canada. They're sort of um, the quintessentially Canadian band because it's made up of eight to ten members. Everyone in the band comes from such diverse musical backgrounds and cultures and styles. And we kind of fuse it together in this amalgamation of rock, funk, R&B, pop, rap, hip-hop, all that stuff. Um, they've been around for 10 or more years. So I, I'm now the lead singer of the band. And actually, a recent album that we just released, uh, Vive Le New Funk, CBC has been really good to us and have been playing the music, the, our music nonstop on uh, CBC. Mm -hmm. And I've been really lucky to be able to tour Canada twice with them and yeah, yeah. go to the States. 
Well, you guys did like a bunch of morning shows, didn't you? Yeah, we did uh, CTV Canada AM recently. That is a really funny story because uh, for those uh, um, who don't know my YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash Dana Jean Phoenix, <laughs> I have a video on there of uh, performing with God Made Me Funky on CTV, and it's big time. And at the beginning of the video, we do tribute to Sherman Helmsley from... The Jeffersons, okay. because he had just passed when we were on the show. He j just passed away. And the producers came to us five minutes before we were to go live on air. Mm. And they said, oh, my gosh, can you guys do a tribute? Do you guys know Moving On Up, the theme song from the Jeffersons? Yeah. <laughs> and we're all looking around like, uh, uh, I, I think so. I guess we could. Oh, my God, mm. we would love it if you could pull this off. We would love it if you would start with this song. Yeah, I'm familiar with the theme song, sort of. Mm. I've heard it before. But I don't know the lyrics. I don't know it off by heart. So I go on my iPhone and I'm just like going on YouTube and listening to the theme <laughs> song like, oh my God, what are the words? What are the words? And the band are kind of talking about the chord changes and all that. And I learn the song in like five minutes. We go on the set. We get to kind of sound check it once. And then you're live on air. Five, four, three, two, one, go for it. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, okay, this is live television. This could either, you know, crash and burn or we can do it up. Mm. And so, yeah, we did it up, and it, I think it worked really, really well. Yeah, yeah. So you can, you can see the video of that, actually, on my YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> when we're moving on I'm just thinking of the comedy version of this where you make up the lyrics. Well, yeah. That would have been awesome. Just the, I, if I had forgotten the lyrics. We're moving on up. Moving. To the west side. Yeah, I'm trying to think how much I know. All I know is moving on up. Something, something. To the east side. So all I know is moving on up. But then they would have had to say that too because the show wasn't called Moving On Up. So they would have been like, you know the theme song to the Jeffersons? And right. like, the Jeffersons. I mean, that that is scary because if you're doing an original song and you flub a lyric, it's cool. You know, you can, that's my, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, can, yeah. you can sell it, right? Mm -hmm. But a theme song to the Jeffersons, it's like so many people know and love that theme song. So if mm -hmm. you don't get it right, you know, <laughs> yeah, that way, I'm so happy that that worked out. Now, God Made Me Funky, is that sort of like a fluid sort of band where like band members kind of change and stuff, but it keeps going? Like, how, yeah. does, how does it work? It's kind of a revolving door of musicians the way we sort of see it is the the parts are kind of greater than the sum so this idea of god made me funky it lives on even though the players change and it's really funny actually they've gone through a lot of female singers which we call the god made me funky curse mm -hmm. because a lot of the female singers that have sung with the band have gone on to do uh like music like been really successful in musical theater so for example brianna rigo who mm. was one of the first singers of the band she was in we will rock you uh, and then melissa o'neill she was a singer of the band she uh went on to do jesus christ superstar on broadway mm. now the curse is in full effect with me because the musical that i was in in the summer called the musical of musicals the musical at the fringe festival it was really great we had rave reviews and we won patrons pick and just yesterday like i mentioned earlier mervish has picked us up and uh, mervish is like the the kind of broadway of toronto or mm -hmm. canada if you will yeah they announced yesterday that we're gonna be uh, at the panasonic in december so very very exciting well that's a nice curse I thought you were going to yeah. tell me the other singers fell out of a window or something. No, no. Yeah, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very lovely, lovely, lovely yeah. curse. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading some old tweets and stuff. For anyone listening, that's the sound of someone wheeling a garbage can. Outside, yes. Yeah. yeah. There they go. There it is. Oh, that's actually a compost as well. Ah. We're getting the full uh, You're getting full the thing. full soundscape of a Toronto afternoon. Usually I would close the window, but it's a nice day. I like the it's breeze. It's so beautiful outside for those, yeah, who yeah. are listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so empowering to independent artists to 
do it yourself um, because we've got all the tools kind of at our fingertips mm-hmm. to have complete control over content and our careers and stuff like that. So it's really nice when um, we can work on a song, use our, you know, the, the equipment that we have, find a spot to record and do it up. With all your performance stuff then, like do you also dance? Like is that a thing you do? Yeah, yeah, I'm a dancer as well. Uh, do the whole kind of ballet, jazz, tap, all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, lots of things in my toolkit. And uh, the thing I love most is I kind of consider myself a student of life. So I'm always looking to kind of expand the toolkit. And I think in this day and age especially, the more you're able to do, the better. Uh, because yeah. you ha- it really requires you to juggle a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Do you record differently when you're doing your albums than when you do the vocals for the the synthwave stuff? No, actually, we find a spot to record and yeah, we, we, we do it up and uh, there's no kind of one studio that I that I go to. Okay. You know. Do you have one at your house? Um, very, very basic. That's not what I use to, it's where I kind of lay down my ideas, but okay. not where I would actually lay down the final track of a song. It might even be my favorite one is the Sunglasses Kid track, uh, Summer Breakup. Yeah. So what was, what was that one about? Just about of a relationship where this girl kind of feels like she needs this guy in her life. And then after it kind of turns sour, she realizes, hey, you know what? Actually, I'm fine without you. I think that one on Sunglasses Kid is just so beautifully written. Did he already have that track? Was it already called Summer Breakup? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that informed. Right. Yeah. That informed the the story behind yeah. it. Yeah. moved to Toronto, I went to Humber for the jazz program. Which, which, what campus was that? That was the uh, Lakeshore campus. I think with a lot of sort of creative type schools, you know, you go and you're learning all of these different things, but mm-hmm. it really is about also making connections and meeting people. And I think Absolutely. That, I think that's... I, I know some people who sort of dismiss those creative schools thinking that it's useless or that, oh, you'd go to art school or whatever, but right. it's, it's more about I mean, to put it in practical terms, every single job that I've had since school has been because of the people I met in school. Right. Absolutely. And so, yeah, we learned some stuff. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, like the most important thing was the friends that I made there. Totally. Yeah. Were you there for Were you really doing a singing course or is yeah, jazz? It was, well, it was jazz music. So okay. I was specializing in, uh, in vocal mm-hmm. um, and minoring in uh, piano. Yeah, it was a lot of theory. It was a lot of... Um, writing, ear training, all that kind of stuff, uh, and, you know, performing as well, for sure. I would uh, totally agree with you. The thing that I got out of that program was the people that I met, the networking. And, you know, while I was there, I can't even believe I was able to do this, but every night I would go downtown and I would go to open mics Mm -hmm. or I would go to a live show. Uh, I would research different bands that were playing in the city and I would say, okay, I really want to go see this band. Okay, next night I want to go see this band. And I would always be out meeting people, networking. Hi, I'm Dana Jean Phoenix. I'm a singer. Mm-hmm. Trying to get on any mic I could and just started meeting people that wise as well. And, you know, taking the streetcar back to my apartment at, you know, two or three o'clock in the morning and having to get up at class at 830 in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure how I was able to 
go to classes and still maintain good grades. When did you then first get involved with the musical theater stuff? Well, I've always been uh, in musical theater. When I was in high school, I went to a kind of a fame type of high school. It was a triple threat high school you had to audition to get into. And so I did a lot of musical theater there. And when I was deciding what I wanted to do after high school, I kind of said I have a choice. I could either pursue musical theater or I could pursue music. And I chose music, which I learned so much from Humber. And I ended up dropping out because I started getting work as a singer. And as I started kind of working as a singer and, you know, shortly after I joined God Made Me Funky and started touring with them, I kind of realized um, that I had really missed musical theater as well. And that was something that was in my heart and I needed to explore. And so, yeah, started getting back into musical theater and it's been going really, really well. Is that what Blood Brothers is? Yeah, that was a show I did at uh, Theater Sheridan, which was the school that I went to for musical theater. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, which is I, it was one of my favorite musicals, and we had to learn the, the Scouse accent. So the accent from Liverpool, which is a very thick kind of... Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do it very well now, but when we were in rehearsals, we had intense training for the accent. So. Yeah. yeah, that's the one thing I have fun doing when I talk to the, the dudes in England, because I'll... I'll do mine, except it involves lots of swearing. And <laughs> yeah, I remember visiting London, England. You know, I was like 18 or something. And oh my God, London, I think, is one of the best cities I've ever been to. Mm. I just fell in love with it. I've always wanted to go back. And uh, hopefully soon we'll be back there for touring. Mm. I was always struck by how beautiful, you know, the way they spoke was just so amazing. And when they swore past a woman on the street and she stepped in a puddle and she went, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, wow. She just made shit sound so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I went to London, but it was like when I was young. Yeah. Maybe in grade eight. So the thing that I liked when I went to England was they had those like places where you could gamble as a kid. Oh, wow. So, I mean, but when, those. Well, yeah. it wasn't like gambling, but it was like you, they had these machines, you know, where you put the coins in. And right. then there's like, this thing where like push the coins over the edge. And if you just dropped in that last coin, it would like push them all. That was really wow. exciting for me. Yeah, absolutely. That was, <laughs> I love, that's my favorite thing about thinking about traveling is depending on what age you are, the memories, what you what you take back from it is just completely different. So when you see yeah. it in, in like the lens of a kid, my London experience was, I remember the trains and I remember sparks coming off the tracks. Yeah. And I'd, I'd been throughout Europe and I just remember specifically in England, like there was sparks just shooting out of the train tracks. Like as we were driving, I'm looking out the window like, what the hell? And right. All we're all going to die. Yeah. And that was it. I was like sparks and gambling as a kid playing the arcade game Primal Rage, which was like the Mortal Kombat knockoff with dinosaurs. Oh, Mortal Kombat. I loved that game back in the day. Well, it's a great game. Yeah. The new one's amazing too. They had like part nine technically, but they rebooted the franchise. Oh, wow. So they retold the whole story of Mortal Kombat again, except through the lens of like like modern graphics. But they actually like had like these movie scenes that sort of tried to tie the, the plot together. I was like, I was huge into Mortal Kombat. I still yeah. am. I oh, yeah. That, that was one of my favorite movies back in the day. Yeah. Luke oh, yeah. Kang and Sonya. And... That's funny because I was just talking to um, Grooveworthy because mm -hmm. he, he had just come back uh, from, a, from a trip to Southeast Asia. And I was like, because I had been to Thailand. Yeah. The part that I loved the most was going to the place where they filmed Mortal Kombat because there's that oh, wow. that scene at the start where, you know, like Shang Tsung is like, Liu Kang, and he takes his brother's soul. Yes. And there's that those temples, right? That, that There's like those two kind of temples yeah. with the pointy tops. And so we went there and that was like, that is so cool. Yeah. Did you get pictures? Yeah. And oddly enough, because my dad's a photographer, but his camera broke on the trip. Oh, man. So like I actually got a whole bunch of pictures on this shitty, this was before digital because this would have been, it makes me feel old to say, but this is like 17 years ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old man. But um, I was taken with a little cheap Polaroids. And so I got the temples and all the, the Buddhas and things, but I was most interested in the Mortal Kombat stuff. Yeah. Oh, it was totally. pretty exciting. Yeah. And then that second one came out. And that wasn't so good. <laughs> right. Yeah, I remember that. It was like in high school. And that was like the first movie I, I saw where I, I was cynical enough that like, you know, when you're a kid, right. you can like anything that yeah. you want to like. Yeah. Like I liked the Super Mario Brothers film when I was a kid. Oh, because right. I, because yeah. I wanted to. Absolutely. And that thing's a piece of shit. But it has its own charm. It yeah. has a, yeah. <laughs> so like that, I remember Mortal Kombat Annihilation. We went in the theater and that was like the first thing where I'm like, what the fuck? Like I was so upset at the screen yeah. and I was yelling at it and stuff. Like, Oh yeah, I remember because I was such a big fan of that first movie. I used mm. to run home every day from school 
because I was like, oh, is this the day that I'm going to see the trailer for the for the second one? Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> when's it going to come out? I yeah. couldn't wait. And then I finally saw it in theater and was like, oh. Yeah, that no. movie's a big pile of crap. Yeah. Mother. You're alive. Too bad you will die. Even in the theater, I remember, you don't often catch mistakes when you actually watch them the first time around. Yeah. But in the theater, I caught, there's that scene, Liu Kang, I guess, is fighting Baraka, but they never name check him. Right. Like, you know, like in that whole movie, like that part two, they don't ever say who the people are. They just sort of show up on screen and yeah. then they fight and they disappear. There's a scene earlier where Shao Kahn has this hammer and he knocks one of the ninjas into the fire. He's like the purple ninja falls in. And then later on, Liu Kang kicks Baraka into the fire, and they use the same shot of the ninja falling in the fire. Oh, no. But they clearly were different characters. Like, it's like one dude's like a mutant in a white shirt, and the other guy was like a ninja in a ninja costume. Yeah. And I remember in the theater seeing that. And that was like so surprising because I've never caught a mistake like right, in a movie yeah. theater. You're there, you're there for the experience. Two of Earth's best warriors have already been taken Cabal and Stryker. Tell me. Did you make them beg for their lives before you destroyed them? But master, I thought if I let them- I have no use for excuses! Rain. This will never happen again. It will never happen again. It is true, this will never happen again. It is also true I need a new general. Something I'm noticing in myself that I'm sure that you notice now, you know, being a film student, is you sort of shoot your own stuff and learn more about filmmaking and video making and all that kind of stuff. You're much more sensitive now to when you're watching a movie to syncing and continuity Yeah, con continuity is a big one. Overdubbing and all that kind of stuff. That stuff really stood out to me in the newest... Um, I don't know if you watch Arrested Development. Absolutely. Well, did I you see that? Did you see yeah. the Netflix? I did. The new one? Yes. So, I mean... That one, there was so much hype and media surrounding just what that was going to be. Yeah. So we all knew, yeah, they weren't going to have the whole cast at the same time and stuff like this. So that one, it really stood out to me oh, how, yeah. how they faked yeah. the, the conversation. Yeah, there was there was yeah. like, there was some really bad green screens and clear like body doubles when people were having conversations when right. it was just like you know like because the other person, the other actor was never there. And I still think they pulled off something pretty awesome absolutely like I, yeah because it's such a wacky show they can kind of get away with it yeah so yeah yeah it adds to the to the whole absurdity and craziness of the whole thing yeah besides the sunglasses kid stuff the one collaboration that you did that i really like is the stellar dreams one mm -hmm. uh, night void yeah uh so tell me about that one. Yeah, I believe they uh, reached out to me and uh, yeah, we collaborated on the track and I loved kind of the moodiness of the song and when we went to go shoot the video for it, uh, we kind of had this idea of, well, obviously Night Void and the, the kind of rain. They, they did such a great job of setting up the atmosphere, so kind of coming up with the concept for the video was very, very easy. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that one is actually the best video. As cool. Well. Thank you. I like that one, right? Because that's the one with the, the where you've got the the silhouette kind of covering part of your yeah, face, so yeah. it's like you sort of fade in and out with like the blurry background right. with the lights and stuff. Yeah, I think driving that one... downtown Toronto with all the lights and mm. the kind of cityscape in the background. So thank you. The tune's great too. I get that that part stuck in my head. You know the wow 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 wow. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs>
just so neat to be emailed something and, and be inspired and write to it and the next day or you know right away you can send an email back and say hey here's what I'm thinking and you know that's very very exciting we call it kind of retro electro but or I call it retro electro cabaret what I do but mm. um, the, the way in which it's kind of executed is so new age yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the fact that we're able to correspond from halfway around the world mm -hmm. it's just so mind-blowing to me it's tricky trying to figure out what the hell to even call this thing because mm -hmm. I think we, when you add the word cabaret to it but I think that's what you bring to it mm -hmm. I know a lot of the other producers sort of there's a big back and forth about just what this scene is actually called yeah you know I'm going right now with new retro synthwave yeah as part of it but then again the synthwave thing sort of has a sound to it yeah and then there is that aspect of the pop 80s pop yeah. kind of stuff and whether or not that is synthwave. Another great part of it, everybody has their own unique spin on it. And I think we, again, we can kind of all coexist in this scene. And again, bringing it back, you know, like I love collaborating with all of these different producers because they are so different mm -hmm. and because, you know, I'm challenged not to do the same thing right. twice. Uh, well, definitely, yeah, like, I mean, the Ghost track, I mean, Ghost in general, like his stuff, like it is, it is very different. Like yeah. there's still, there's sort of like these retro sample stuff, but it does have a very, like a, a modern. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of so that, again, just trying new things. And uh, another cool thing about it too is like Silent Gloves. He's got the Project Friday and on a Friday night, you know, we can all get together and chat, which is really, really cool. And he plays, you know, great music. Actually, Silent Gloves and I, we have an upcoming collaboration that we did and Highway Superstar added guitars to the track yeah um he actually has a clip now on youtube of a preview of the track that we did it's very cool that he set up this kind of forum too that we can all kind of connect uh, yeah, yeah 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 no it's really neat what is musical improv musical improv well it's basically making things up on the spot mm -hmm. with music i am a student of second city Toronto. Mm. Uh, Second City is kind of one of the biggest improv companies, you would say, in uh, North America. Chicago is uh, another big location in L.A. as well. Um, and I'm a graduate of the improvisation program at Second City. Mm. And actually, Fat Al hosts a musical improv night there uh, every other Monday at the training center. We get a, a live band in. Everybody is completely improvising so you might do an improvised scene where an audience member shouts out a word and you've got to create the scene on the spot about the word one of the games is sound like a song so you say it's kind of like a big bold statement and the host will say sounds like a song and the musicians will kick in and you have to just completely improvise a song based mm. on the last line that you said. Right, okay. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, that's basically what that is. And that's, again, another way for me to just stay on my toes. And yeah. they do a lot of different styles. They do hip-hop, they do musical theater, 80s rock ballads, so. Is Kevin Frank still working there? He is. He's actually the uh, artistic director of the training center. I, I met him... I mean, a couple of years ago, I do some video editing work for a charity organization, and they were involved with oh, uh, yeah. with the Second City for this one year. And when I met Kevin Frank, and it was just so hard not to be like, I wanted to talk about Kid Street with him. Right. Oh, and, I loved that show. <laughs> and I'm like, you're like, and the, the most amazing thing about Kevin Frank, and for people who don't know, there's a kid show that used to be on in Canada called Kid Street, where three kids would sit in different colored cars. No. Two kids per car, yeah. and they would answer questions and stuff, and it was like a game show for children. Right. And Kevin Frank was the host, and I hadn't seen him since I saw that show. Wow. Welcome to Kid Street. It's the kids' game with the big, big prizes. Let's meet today's contestants. The red team, Barbara, and her brother, David. The green team, Adash, and his sister, Seema. And the blue team, Erin, and her sister, Megan. And now, let's meet the host of Kid Street, Kevin Frank. He looks the same. Like, he's got a bit more, like, he's a little, he he's a little chubbier, but, like, he's got a very youthful face. He does, yeah. So was, I was just like, you look exactly the same. It's just like Kevin Frank. And yeah, he looks so great. He, yeah. yeah. He, I don't think he ages. Right. He's, <laughs> uh, the, the great thing about him, too, he's got such a youthful energy about him. Like, mm -hmm. he's just, he's so happy and uh, uh, creatively charged and, 
he's a wonderful artistic director of the Second City for sure. Was that something you just did? Like you just went and just said, I'm just going to sign up for this? Is this part yeah, of the, the Dana I, Jean Phoenix uh, everything mm, approach? Yeah, I, I had done Second City when I was in high school. And then when I was in Toronto, kind of thought, I need to revisit Second City. Well, how did you do that in high school? Or is that part of your magical fame high school? Like they also, Yeah, okay. well, I, I just... Uh, is, up separate from my high school, I just used to commute to Toronto every Saturday and mm -hmm. take classes at Second City. The thing I love about Second City is it's not all actors and singers and comedians. It's also people who work at banks, lawyers, ba you know, accountants. And you meet so many different types of people that are just trying to work on their, maybe their social skills or public speaking skills. Right, right, right. So, yeah, I love interacting with all different types of people. Now, you've actually had some of your songs like featured on shows and things, yeah, right? Yeah, I've been really lucky. Yeah. So how does that work? It's uh, a lot of music licensing um, uh, through companies uh, like Jingle Punks, for example. I've had songs on The Voice, NBC. I've had songs on, you know, Desperate Housewives of Miami, Nickelodeon, um, Bravo. Like, it's I've been really, really lucky. Now, do those people just find, like, do you just find out, like, oh, my song was used or, like, they do contact you, A lot of times you, you right? find after the, uh, after the fact, yeah. Sometimes they contact you, sometimes they don't. So you kind of always have to keep on your toes and be Wait, searching. But your stuff is released as just you, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So how do they get it and then use it without you finding out. If you're searching SoCan, you can usually find out, but they won't send you a direct email to say, hey, we've picked up your song for so-and-so. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. So you have to be looking through your SoCan records to make, you know, to find that stuff out sometimes. What's SoCan? SoCan, it's a royalty system in Canada. Rights organization. Oh, okay, so, so you also have your music, like, although it's there and it's your stuff, like you submit it, so you say it can also, it goes into like a bank that, they can sell to other people? Right, yeah, so can tracks uh, when your song is being used for different things. Like, for example, God Made Me Funky stuff being played on CBC. Right. So can tracks that and... Uh, and the licensing company of Jingle Punks would people you register with to allow the, the programs to license your music. Oh, okay, okay, that's what I was wondering because I was like, there's no way they just went on your iTunes and stole your song. Like, no, 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 doing. absolutely not, <laughs> yeah. It's all stuff that you've uploaded and condoned them to use. Right, okay, yeah. okay. And then they get like a cut of it or like how does that work? Yeah, is, is it? yeah, okay. cut goes to them, cut goes to you, so. So yeah, it's been it's been very, very cool to kind of add that to the resume and. Uh, you do uh, Christmas song covers. Yeah. You like Christmas? I do. I love Christmas. <laughs> I like asking terrible questions. That's one of my things. Who doesn't like Christmas? <laughs> it's a time when you get to see your family, hopefully, and, uh, you know, I just love the, the whole warmth and family aspect of Christmas. But yeah, we did a, Fat Al and I, we shot a video, a remix that we had done to Jingle Bells, and mm. I've done a couple of covers which are on YouTube that are kind of Christmas inspired. So <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I think Christmas music, it's just so classic. Yeah. yeah, and there's so so many different ways you can go with it. You can really interpret it your own way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we can probably uh, wrap it up. Are you cool. good? Is there something you got coming up that you want to talk about? Um, yeah, just uh, we're continuing to um, continuing to collaborate with different artists. I'm working on a record uh, that's going to be coming out um, in the early new, new, new year, so early mm -hmm. 2014. And on that record, there's going to be collaborations with Robots with Ray Guns. Sunglasses Kid, aka Hands Down, and also with a local producer, Andy T, uh, who's worked with Cardinella Fischel and Julie Black as well. Yeah, so that's very exciting. That's in the works right now. And that's going to be like a Dana Jean Phoenix. Yeah. Right. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, so yeah, that'll yeah. be early 2014. Awesome. So yeah, that's in the works, and I'm uh, very excited about that. And yeah. Coming up will be, uh, in December, will be the Musical of Musicals at the Panasonic Theater, which I'm really thrilled about. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, playing with God made me funky. Life is good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Playing. Yeah, thank you so much for well, the interview, Andy. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming to my, uh, this is sort of the everything room. I don't know what to call this thing. I guess it's the dining room, but it's also the television room. It's also my office. I love it. Thanks for talking. It was good. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And for the listeners out there, uh, you can uh, find more of my stuff on SoundCloud as well as uh, YouTube, um, Dana Jean Phoenix. And also I have a website, www w.danajphoenix.com mm. so it's spelled d-a-n-a-j-p-h-o-e-n-i-x.com yeah. <laughs> yeah. awesome all right thank you so much andy i really appreciate it yeah man it was awesome all right 
Alrighty, that was Dana Jean Phoenix. Uh, we had a good time. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, I will post the links to uh, her website and uh, her videos and stuff on the podcast page. You can check those out. And uh, before we go, as it was alluded to uh, in the interview, uh, when Dana came over, uh, she brought her bandmate, Fat Al. And uh, I just sort of sat him on the couch and he played Grand Theft Auto while uh, Dana and I did uh, had our conversation. And uh, just as they were leaving, I thought it'd be funny. I, I grabbed uh, I grabbed one of my portable mics and I just sort of put it in his face. And uh, well, here you go. We'll have a little exclusive at the end with Fat Al. Cool. Tell me about your Grand Theft Auto experience you've been uh, playing for the past hour. I will here. say that um, I haven't played Grand Theft Auto in a while just because of uh, being busy with editing and all that kind of stuff. And now... I think you're gonna get me in trouble because I'm gonna have to uh, get this uh, part five. The maps. I'm gonna wow. be calling Fat Al and being like, "Hey, man, we should shoot this new video," and he's gonna be like, "Can't talk, Grand Theft Auto." And that'll be my answering machine. Shall we be like <laughs> <laughs> Can't talk, Grand Theft Auto. Leaving a message. Beep. Yeah. I'll be calling you up, Andy. Like, thanks a lot. Yeah, and you'll be getting can't talk, Grand Theft Auto. Andy sends out. Can you imagine a world of like everyone you call? Can't talk Grand Theft Auto. You might you know be experiencing that soon. I don't know if you know um, Le Cassette. Yes. Uh, so that dude, they're a bunch of British guys, and uh, he posted a picture the other day, or I guess yesterday, of all of his friends in the PlayStation on his online list. <laughs> and it's just this list of like every single person. They're <laughs> all playing Grand Theft Auto, like all of them. Oh, I think right. actual car theft will go down over the next couple months because all the car thieves will be like, that's what I do. I'm going to play this in this yeah. game. <laughs> we actually had a, we had a, there was one on City TV, right? There was like an actual positive Grand Theft Auto story because wow. those, because two kids who went, home they, they went to pick up the game and then on their way home they like saved some dude from a house fire because so, like there's like smoke coming out of the window and then oh, like they yeah. like wow. they ran in and like kicked the door in and like that'll change after dude. they play the game yeah they'll learn <laughs> they'll learn <laughs> can't talk <friend>. yeah. <laughs> Flawless victory.